Ever wonder why luxury hotel mattresses are so dreamy? It's because those hybrid mattresses combine both comfort and support to make you feel like you're sleeping on a cloud. With Dream Cloud, you can get a luxury mattress made with premium materials at half the price of traditional hybrid mattresses. Dream Cloud combines the perfect blend of comfy memory foam and supportive springs. Comfortable sleep is about more than just the mattress you sleep on. And that's why every Dream Cloud also comes with $399 in accessories. Plus get $200 off a 365-night home trial, free shipping and returns, and a forever warranty. Go to dreamcloudsleep.com today. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Coco Express, part of the Blog Talk Radio Network. Your host on the Coco Express is Aurelia Lyles. She's all about keeping it real. Great guests, interesting topics. So get on board. Listen, learn, live. Welcome to the Coco Express Show Network. It's time for us to sit back and enjoy the message and the lessons going to be taught to us from Relationship Remedies for Us with Dr. Linda and Hank. It's about me. It's about you. It's about us. It's about Relationship Remedies with Dr. Linda Owens-Wiley and Hank Stewart. Join us. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm Dr. Linda Wiley, and it is my pleasure to welcome you to Relationship Remedies for Us. This is the place to discuss hot topics related to the health of your relationships. So bring us your questions, your concerns, your comments, and most of all, bring an open mind. You may not agree with everything that's said here tonight, but you will have time and room to interject your opinion into the conversation. So as always, we'd like you to sit back, relax, listen to the conversation, and if you feel so inclined, call in with a comment or a question. As always, I'm joined by a man who is an author, a poet, my friend, and co-host a man who brings a little extra flavor to the conversation, and he goes by the name of Mr. Hank Stewart. What's up, Hank? Wow, wow. Can we do that introduction again? I like the way that sounds. Can you do it again? You like the way that sounds? I probably let's, remember let's what erase, I let's said. Let's, let's erase it and let's <laughs> start back, all over. Let's do that again. Wind up. <laughs> go back and go <laughs> <Let's> <laughs> You doing all right tonight? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's the... The end of a long day, but it's the beginning of a new month, and so that's that's always exciting. You know, new month means new opportunity to do some things differently and and get it better than you did the month before. So I'm excited about that. Mm-hmm. Well, every day gives us that opportunity. Sometimes we wait months, and you know, I, I'm I'm often um, I I feel sorry for folks who say they're living for the weekend. I'm like, but there's five yeah. days that you're missing. You know, yeah. there's five beautiful days living for two days. You know, so exactly. you know, we always have a 
we always have an opportunity to wake up and, and, and try to do it better today. I, I tell kids when I'm talking to them at school, if you told ten lies yesterday, tell nine today and eight tomorrow and seven the next day <laughs> until you stop that's lying. Right. But, you know, take advantage of today. But anyway, that's just Eventually me. you'll get there. Well, that's a good way Eventually. to look at it. And, and mm-hmm. we want folks to keep a positive uh, attitude and outlook, particularly with today's topic, because it, it can be a little sobering, but it's one that we definitely need to talk about. You know, everybody lately has been talking about the NFL and the behavior of the players, in particular Ray Rice, and I wanted to talk about that from a slightly different perspective, but October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So given that we're starting the month, let's go ahead and pick up where a lot of people have been leaving off on that conversation, but again, not just talking about the behavior, but but making sure that we talk about what are some of the things that cause people to abuse and some of the things that make people stay in abusive relationships. And I think we should also talk a little bit about what are some of the warning signs so that you know whether or not this is a a ticking time bomb that could potentially explode. So um, I don't know about you, but it just seems like to me every time I am – overhearing a conversation like on a plane or something. I've been doing a lot of flying lately. Or, you know, you turn on certain channels on television and you keep hearing the story from different angles over and over and over again. Have you been uh, monitoring that? Have you been hearing a lot about that situation and what the NFL is doing with the different players who have been behaving badly off the field? Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a sports junkie, so I'm, my my TV is on ESPN as we speak. I mean, I'm always uh, – but it was interesting, and, uh, and thank you for selecting this topic, uh, Doc, because it was interesting when uh, when I started seeing this, and a bunch of other things came up, like the Adrian Peterson and the spanking of the child and all that. Mm-hmm. And the news was so bad, Doc, that I literally had to turn the sports off like I was turning the news off. Yeah. Because ESPN, what ESPN is known for is showing you highlights of sports. And uh, about three weeks ago, all you saw for the first 45 minutes was news on the sports. And so it's right. really interesting, the domestic violence and, the, you, know, the, the, um, the, the, you know, the whipping of the children and, you know, all this other stuff. And, it, it, you know, it was, it, you don't, and that's a whole other topic because you don't want to get into my, my feeling about that as well, too, because there's just as many other players, and I'm not justifying. I know that we're going to get into the Ray Rice, but there's just as many other white players who have been uh, abusive, like Ben Roethlisberger and, mm-hmm. you know, even even um, even the coach of the uh, used to pass coach who's now a Hall of Famer, Bobby Cox, you know, was known for domestic violence with his wife, you know, and um, and it just seems as if it just took a whole nother level when it went to, you know, African-American players. But, you know, wrong is wrong. So, I mean, we're not definitely not yeah. justifying that. No, but, you know, I noticed that, too, and I'm not as much of a sports enthusiast as you are, so I'm not on ESPN all the time. But um, I did know that there were white players who have been guilty of or at least accused, we don't know who's guilty, but who have been accused of doing similar things. And you're right, it doesn't get the same airtime. It doesn't blow up. We're not, you know, making villains of them all in in the media. And to me, I mean, that's just a travesty. Again, it's just a statement of the times here in America. But once again, we have certain people villainized and others who aren't, and we don't know the whole story. And then you also see where they're calling on the NFL to just keep coming down and making all these um, tougher, more stringent actions against certain players based on things that they've done. And one of the things that struck me, though, is since when has it become your employer's responsibility 
to to punish you for breaking the law. So if, in fact, these guys are guilty of breaking the law and, you know, again, not condoning anything that they did, but imagine showing up on your job and, and your job now doling out the punishment for you based on something that you did. So some of the stuff I think we really need to let the law officials handle it as opposed to letting the media and the NFL and everybody else handle it. But it does uh, seem as if they're making a big deal, a bigger deal out of it when it's happening within the African-American community than when some of the Caucasian players and, and owners have done similar things. Let me, I'll give you an example. Um, right now, I mean, there was 77 Seventy-seven. Did I say seventy-seven? Seventy-seven. Mm-hmm. Seventy-seven celebrities who um, who were known for domestic violence. I know we're going to talk about the athletic side of it, but you got Mel Gibson, Sean Penn, you know, um, Nicholas Cage, you know, Steven Seagal. I mean, it, the wow. list. How many? You know, I mean, those are all these guys, and their careers are, are not only has not been halted, but it's continued. You know, continue continuing to blossom. You know, exactly. So, it's so, a so where nobody stepped in, you don't have any production companies or movie companies or television exactly stations right. saying, "Oh no, we're we're going to suspend them from TV indefinitely, or we're not going to make another movie with them." You don't see that going on. And again, like you, not condoning a behavior, wrong is wrong, but let's make the punishment equal Equals if we're going to punish people for mm-hmm. stuff. You know, and the other thing that it does is when you discipline certain people in certain ways, it adds to the stress. So, granted, I understand that theoretically we can talk about, oh, these guys have so much money that's not going to hurt them. But, again, you can't get in anybody else's pocket. You don't want anybody in your pocket, stay out of somebody else's pocket. So you can't say what will or won't hurt someone financially. But I do know that when you start messing with someone's livelihood, it does add stress to the situation. And so when you have a more stressful environment, there is a propensity for the bad behavior to increase because lots of times that's where it's coming from. There's all kinds of built-up anger or frustration or something. And so when we just keep adding to that, we are potentially uh, creating an environment that may make them act badly even more so. But, you know, to your point, when you've got these other celebrities doing similar things and not being punished in a similar way, it does kind of cause you to sit back and scratch your head and wonder what's really going on. I mean, you got it, uh, and and again, like I said, I don't want to, I don't want to change because I know we got a topic that we're going to cover. That's um, right. But yeah, I can, but I can give you uh, Danny Hinckley. You remember him, Doc, when you were here in Atlanta? Mm-hmm. He was the hockey player who decapitated his friend's head, drunk driving through Buckhead. Driving. You know, and that yep. Buckhead is a, a hot, you know, um, you know, for for those who don't know, it's a uh, Ritzy Rick's area, and he didn't spend not one day in jail. You know, mm-hmm. not one day. My granddad used to say, if you're going to tell the story, tell the whole story. You know, That's right. Tell the story. You know, but, you know, but again, let's, I know we want to get back to the, you know, to the domestic uh, side of that and the violence side of it. And and you're right. I think stress plays a part of it. I, but I, I still think at the end of the day, everybody's accountable for their actions. You know Correct. what I mean? Um, you, you are, you know, male or female, you know, because we do know there are some men out there who've been beat up on as well, too. As a matter yep. of fact, I've seen situations where you had men who did not fight back, knowing they could win the fight, but knowing that they would be the first one taken down if they, you know, if they retaliated or just defended themselves. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So you, there have been situations where men have sit, you know, have sat there and taken a beating, you know, a, a real beating, because you know the women know as soon as he touched me, he's gone. 
He's you know, gone. And, and you know, you're right. The men are often overlooked, but they too are victims of domestic violence. So, I mean, let's just talk about the, the numbers just a little bit. So, did you know, on average, nearly 20 people per minute are victims of physical violence by an intimate partner in the U.S., and during one year, this equates to more than 10 million women and men. Just imagine 20 people every minute. And this is not, we're not talking about violent, random crimes. We're talking about physical violence by an intimate partner. Also, another fact, did you know that one in three women and one in four men have experienced some form of physical violence by an intimate partner within their lifetime? If you stop and think about it, I'm sure everybody listening to the sound of our voices knows someone even if it's not them, you know, themselves, but you know someone that has been the victim of domestic violence. And given that it's a very underreported crime, there are probably people in your circle who have been victims that you don't even know about. But, you know, I can think of family members, friends, I mean, just a number of people that I know that fall within that statistic. One in five women and one in seven men have experienced severe physical violence by an intimate partner in their lifetime. And see, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, let me say that. I wouldn't have put those numbers that close either. I mean, you said one in five and one in seven men? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's not that big of a gap. It really isn't. Well, just like the ones I read before that, one in three women and one in four men have experienced mm-hmm. some form. I didn't think it was that much with the men. But you're right, and I think a lot of it is, um, as you were saying, there are men who just know that if I – if I retaliate in any way, I'm going to get myself in trouble. And let's face it, there are some women who take advantage of that. They know mm-hmm. that I can do whatever, and he's not going to raise a hand to me, so they become the aggressor in certain situations. Especially if let's let's magnify that with uh, celebrity status. You know, yes. um, I know he's a celebrity. I know he's you know he, he you know he's got to be careful. Uh, if I if I say anything, you know, I get out. I can get out of this relationship with with funding and everything else, you know, because I know, um, but that's another story. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I mean, you know, to, to to go with that just a little bit, this may not be exactly where you're going, but it's not just the celebrities. I mean, think about it. You have it in um, any, any known figure, whether it be a, a politician or mm-hmm. whether it's pastor. a pastor, whether, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot of violence in past, uh, pastor and their spouse relationships, lots of violence. I have a friend who, was married to a pastor and endured violence for years, and she finally wrote a book about it, and she was talking about just within the circles how much that stuff goes on. So lots of times because you don't want to bring any shame or or disgrace down on that particular individual, you just kind of hold on to it and suffer in silence. Let me give you a couple more, and then we'll keep the conversation going. So one in seven women, and one in 18 men have experienced stalking victimization during their lifetime in which they felt very fearful or believed that they or someone close to them would be harmed or killed. Now, that's one that I personally have experienced. And initially, you know, I I didn't even realize the the first time it was happening because um, you remember back when I was back on FM broadcast radio in Atlanta, Mm -hmm. there was a situation where, there was this one guy who used to show up every place we did a live show, and he would always mm-hmm. try to break through to get to me if there was a 
show that he couldn't make it to, he would call the venue, and I would get these phone calls, and it was him apologizing for not being able to be there. I didn't know who this person was. He called the show every time we were on, um, and I didn't really take it as a stalker, but it was the co-host who said, you know, this person is stalking you. I kind of blew it off. Then um, that's back when I was, you know, coaching people on relationships. So he came to my office and brought me a gift, and he came in as a client, and that's when he let me know who he was and that he was the guy that had been showing up and all that stuff. That one was kind of, in my opinion, stalking light. But I've been told there's no such thing because it escalates. But then the second time it happened, the radio station actually um, gave me security because the show was on from 10 until midnight, and when I would leave the station at midnight, they made sure that I had security to get me into my car. I went a step further, and I had um, a security guy that used to follow me home because I figured everybody knows the time the show ends. Okay, so security's getting me to my car, but somebody might follow me, so I had to go further because the second individual would call and leave sexy messages but I never knew who that person was, and I was always afraid, you know, I might be in an environment, you know me, but I don't know you. And so, yeah, just by being, I mean, come on, it's not like I was, you know, this big-name person. I was known in Atlanta, but I wasn't big-name person, and still I had two situations with stalkers. So it's something that we kind of take lightly, but when you really get in that position where you know somebody knows you, they've got this, inexplainable, abnormal kind of attraction to you when they don't even know anything about you other than what they hear you say on the air, and they're following you and showing up places, and it can mess with your mind a little bit. It's hard, it's hard being you, isn't it? I, I was, I've been trying to pay somebody to stalk me. I've been trying to find somebody. I can't get one of those. You know, I've, I've been stalking you, but since you know me, you think I'm just hanging out with you. You don't realize I'm a stalker. I'm stalking you, Hank. <laughs> I ain't making light of stalking, but it's hard being yeah. you, isn't it? It's I ain't making light of it. It's, it's but, you know, I was, I've was. i been I've been trying to pay a couple of people, just just come up to me and just, you know, say some stuff. <laughs> I, I, I'll get somebody to come hang out with you. I'll get somebody yeah, to just, come up to you in a restaurant or something and say, aren't you Hank Stewart? Aren't you? Yeah, do that. that. I've been trying right? to do that. I've been trying you to pay some people to do that. Even my family won't do it, you know? See? Yeah. But like you said earlier, you know, it's like, yeah, not we're not making light of it because when you're in that situation, it can be a scary thing. And let's look mm-hmm. at there have been some celebrities who have been attacked physically by stalkers. Mm-hmm. A couple more points. On a typical day, there are more than 20,000 phone calls placed to domestic violence hotlines nationwide. In domestic violence homicides, women are six times more likely to be killed when there's a gun in the house. Intimate partner violence accounts for 15% of all violent crimes. And the last statistic I'll share with you is that intimate partner violence is most common among women between the ages of 18 and 24. And, you know, that's a group that I I have a special heart for women, and, and the nonprofit organization that I'm putting together is going to deal with women in that age bracket as well because when you're you're young and full of life, um, you don't always take the time to listen to the advice of those who are older and more seasoned or you kind of blow off what they're saying and you're just kind of out there trying to do you, not realizing that some of the situations you put yourself in just aren't good. I mean, and even if you look at what's been going on in the news lately and the number of women who are young women disappearing, 
whether they're in this country or on vacation someplace else, disappearing, either never found or bodies found years later or whatever the case might be. So um, many times what ends up happening, it may not be a partner, but there usually is some uh, person of the opposite sex that has a liking for that person. They may go off somewhere together or be followed, stalked, whatever, and a lot of times it it is that age bracket. So, again, this is... uh, National Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and we just want to make you aware of some of the things that are going on so that you can be vigilant in protecting yourself. So what is domestic violence? Domestic violence is the willful intimidation, physical assault, battery, sexual assault, or other abusive behavior as part of some pattern of power and control uh, perpetrated by one intimate partner against another and so it does it takes lots of different forms and many times things that go on in relationships that we just kind of you know look the other way or take for granted or just say oh that's just their personality you need to know that it it is domestic violence and it can escalate Hmm. wow i know It, it really is um a sad situation when we look at the numbers and so with everything you know i'm always telling people start with yourself you know, check yourself first. Do you find that you um, are the kind of person who attracts people that maybe they tend to be very controlling of you or people who like to tell you what to do or, you know, sometimes we don't realize when our own self-esteem is low or we have certain habits, you know. If you don't think highly of yourself, you project that. And that's not to say that it's your fault if someone abuses you. I, I would never say that. But sometimes the things that we project attract certain kinds of people to us. So um, I did a little bit of reading about it and prep for the show and came across something that says, do you find yourself going over things you did, focusing on what an inner voice says you've done wrong? Do you have a secret inner tyrant who keeps saying you're not good enough? Maybe you don't have those particular habits, but chances are you have some dominator habits that you aren't even aware you use against yourself. And so what they're saying is lots of times, you know, when we're doubting ourselves, we don't think we measure up, we don't think we look good enough, we don't think we're smart enough, sexy enough, all those types of of inner thoughts cast doubt. And when you doubt yourself and you lack the confidence, particularly as a woman, you sometimes will attract men who see that you lack confidence, and Mm -hmm. so they step up they're the ones who tend to be controlling and domineering anyway, and they just find you as an easy target and step in and dominate. So, again, not saying that that happens all the time, but that is one of the things that we need to be mindful of. So don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I don't know if you, uh, you know, as, as a man, when you're meeting women, do you notice that there are some women who maybe are projecting self-doubt, low self-esteem, how how can you tell that in a woman? How how can you tell a woman who's got maybe low self-esteem or real hard on herself versus one who's confident? I mean, and you can, I think you can tell them in several different ways. I think um, you can tell how uh, someone is always bringing up what their faults are. You know, if I wasn't so big, I could wear this. If I wasn't so, you know, I think they, they're constantly down, down um, playing themselves. Mm. I think, um, is a way of recognizing this. If I wasn't, you know, if I had, if I looked like Dr. Linda, you know, I would be, I could wear that. You know, I think, you know, and I think that's, that's a level of uh, of showing that maybe some, um, you know, that, that, that confidence level is not at its height. height. 
Um, I think they're um, you can tell by what they tolerate. You know, you can see it in a relationship. Sometimes people stay with people who you know are abusing and misusing them, but because they, their self-esteem is so low, they don't think anybody else will want them. Yeah. You know, so they they hang there. You know, I'm going to stay here with Doc because nobody else wants me. You know, what they tolerate. So I yeah. think there are several things. That's true. And, and people don't always realize that you send it out certain messages. And sometimes women who think that they're really confident, you know, I thought about this when you were saying the comment about, you know, if I wasn't so big, I could I could wear that. Sometimes to show their confidence, women who are big and know that they have no business being in a certain outfit will put that outfit on as a way of showing confidence. But what they don't realize is a man will pick up on that as being low self-esteem, just as he will the woman who says, oh, I wish I could wear that. Because when you are doing things that don't seem to to fit or be appropriate, that quite often is a sign of low self-esteem, too. It's almost like you're trying too hard. So a lot mm-hmm. of times um, when you see, you know, and, and again, not putting down women of any size, beautiful women come in all shapes and sizes, but we all know that there are some clothing items that just because they make it in your size doesn't mean you need to buy it and wear it. And so sometimes when you see a woman who's wearing something that really she should not have on, people pick up on that as being a sign of low self-esteem just as the woman who kind of cowers and hides her body doesn't want anybody to see it. But I think you're right. You know, you you invite people to treat you a certain way. In fact, here are a couple of other things that um, the experts say because they, they talk about it, awareness. You know, if you, you have to know your relationship with yourself. So they say things like observe the tension that you carry and the bodily habits, such as stiffening your shoulders or holding your breath. Um, they say beware of the messages you carry in your head that limit or distort your full humanity. You know, how do you see yourself? There's a book that I'm reading. One of the books I'm reading is called um, See Yourself as God Sees You. And I think most of us don't quite see ourselves in the spiritual way. We look at ourselves in the natural. We don't see our worth because we don't look at ourselves based on how God looks at us. So you have to become aware of the messages that you carry in your head, and most of them probably are not the way that God sees you. They say consider things like how the rush of adrenaline that comes from violent action entertainment or horror films is a counterfeit substitute for the natural highs of partnership living and loving. So some people, I guess they're saying, get a rush from things that are violent instead of getting a rush from things that are loving or as a substitute for things that are loving. And just, you know, Mm -hmm. there there are other things I may share a little bit later on, but just just check yourself. And what are some of the things that excite you, make you happy? What are some of the things that you use to feel fulfilled that might not be the healthiest things for you? So always start with, with checking yourself. And if you don't treat yourself well, you will allow others to treat you poorly as well. So, you know, we get what we allow. If people aren't treating you well, it's because you're allowing them to not treat you well. Well, well, well. So I believe uh, that. I think. I think that's. I think that's one of the things that, to me, that's probably one of the biggest, um, you know, uh, signs of of low self esteem is, you know, folk who hang around people who, uh, you know, you know they mean them no good and they continue to do it. They pick. They're the ones mm-hmm. who always drive. They're the ones who spend the money. They, you know, mm-hmm. they're always forking it out financially. Uh, 
So you know they. That's true. You know, they, but they want a friend. You know, they really exactly. Want a Some people would would rather be used than to be alone, and that mm-hmm. that really is a sad place to be. So let's um, take a little music break, and when we come back, if you have a question or a comment, you can always call in at 347-637-2319, 347-637-2319. If you know somebody that needs to be listening because you think that there's some red flags in their relationship, have them give us a call or uh, log on to blogtalkradio.com slash the hyphen coco hyphen express. Let's take a music break. Wake up, sisters, cause ain't nobody tripping about what you got on. See, I should have your back, hey, you should have mine. We've been fighting for too long.
Welcome back. I'm Dr. Linda Wiley. Hank Stewart and I are having a conversation really asking you the question, are we confusing domination with love? It's really what we're talking about. October is National uh, Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and so we thought we'd kick off the month by doing a show talking about some of the domestic violence that's been in the news lately and um, helping people just get straight as to understanding some of the behaviors that lead into that and some of the warning signs so that you can know whether or not you're in a relationship that could potentially become a violent relationship. I know when we think about domestic violence, we tend to think about men abusing women, but as I read some of the statistics, excuse me, the statistics earlier, you can see that women abuse men sometimes as well. And women, you know, women often get labeled with being very controlling. So I'm I'm curious, Hank, so in your years of uh, dating, uh, have you come across women that you would say? Oh, hell to... yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> you even let me finish the question. You already knew. All right, so what are some things that, that women have done that let you know, okay, back up, go left, this is not somebody I need to be with because she's trying to control me? What are some of those behaviors? Well, I, I think from obvious, you know, I think the um, the whole um, – I mean, I think it's I think it's one of those situations when you have women who it, it's got to be about them. You know, there's no compromise. Uh, there's no um, give and take. It's my way or it's no way. Um, to me, it's probably one of the most obvious. You know, it's, it's all about them. It's what they want. You know, it's not a relationship. It's not a give and, and take. It's it's about me. And uh, and I've I've met a couple of women that it was all about them. And you know, and I, I don't mind. It being about you some most of the time, but not damn all the time, you know. <laughs> uh huh. So I, I can't have my way all the time. We can't always go where yeah, I want to go. You, be what you I might better be. get it ninety percent of the time, but damn, give me ten. Okay. Give me at least ten. All right, I see what I could work out for you. But yeah, I think it's important for women to understand that because many times we um, confuse independence with controlling and we think that it's not controlling I'm just being independent or I know what I like or you know I just want to make sure I'm taken care of and sometimes we do have to learn how to take the focus off of ourselves and that attention to someone else and so again doesn't necessarily mean that as a woman you just relinquish everything you want to do for what he wants to do but just as you're saying we can't always have our way or try to to always dictate which way things are going to flow. So a lot of times we think controlling just means, you know, running off at the mouth and and doing a lot of nagging and so forth. But anything that comes across, like you said, as being very self-centered and wanting my way all the time really is a form of of control. I'm looking at some of the the warning signs, and uh, one of them is a violent temper. Now, of course, that's one of the ones that kind of jumps out at you. You expect somebody to be violent. But, I mean, I'm talking about like sudden burst of temper over these simple little issues. Um, I know I remember being in a relationship where it seemed like if I said the wrong thing unexpectedly, he would just fly off the handle. And sometimes I would think, really? You know, over that little thing? I mean, I've said and done things much worse than that, got no reaction, but that little thing is what set you off? And so sometimes when you're with somebody, they can just have these sudden outbursts, and you really didn't expect it. You don't know where it was coming from, and it doesn't seem to fit 
whatever it was that just happened. And so um, they even go on to say it could be things like um, throwing things around the house or, you know, yelling, screaming, anything that kind of shows who's the boss, you know. Even if you listen to people's words, you know, if if a man is always talking to you about, you know, I'm a man and I'm the man in this relationship and why are you trying to wear the pants and why are you, you know, sometimes those words are just things that let you know, okay, not to say that he's violent or has a violent temper, but you might just want to keep your eye on that one. Mm. What do you think about that? Mm. I, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think men who are who are who are um, want to know where you are all the time, who are that controlling. I mean, they you got to check in when you get there. You got to check in when you get home. You got to check in. Mm-hmm. When you go to you check up when you wake up in the morning. Or that woman, I've had that before. Call why you ain't call me? It's eight, it's seven o'clock, baby. I just woke up at six fifty nine. You know, six fifty nine. Damn, let me wait. Let me get up. <laughs> I know, but you well, know what up, happens? A lot you've of times been up a whole minute. You ain't called me. No, people do it under the guise of love. You know, they do mm. it like, well, you know, I miss you. I just wanted to know that you got home safely. You ain't want to know I got home safely. You wanted to make sure my ass went straight home because you figure how long it's going to take me to get home. And if I don't call you to say I made it in okay, then you figure, okay, she stopped off. She went somewhere mm. else. So, again, people play those games with you, and sometimes they do it under the guise of love and care and concern, but they're just checking on you. You know, calling you late at night. I just wanted to say good night before you went to bed. Now nah, you just wanted to make sure that I was home alone in my own bed. That's what you were trying and, to and do. And would answer the phone. And would answer exactly. the phone. Exactly. And would answer the phone. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, a lot well, of that stuff would slip but, in but, on Melinda, you. I promise you when I was calling you that was not the – I was really uh-uh, was trying no, to make that, you made no, it home. No, no, I promise you, you, you know, Linda, I, I swear I to you. I wasn't going to put it out there and let everybody know it was you. I was trying to just keep it on the low, low. But, but I, I promise you, Linda, I promise you. I was just really concerned Call me about when you well-being. get home. Call me when you go mm-hmm. to bed. Call me when you wake up in the morning. Like, damn. <laughs> okay, that was, that was just one of the many things that kept us apart. Um, oh. <laughs> here's, here's another good one. When people do things to lower your confidence level. You know, you ever have anybody that is always, like, teasing you, insulting you, especially in public, and they want to tell you, oh, you know I'm just joking. You know, mm-hmm. or it, those kinds of things. No, no, you you shouldn't joke at somebody else's expense. Your joke should not make somebody else feel bad or feel lesser about themselves, and especially doing stuff like that in public, you know. But people who want to control you, they always want to lower your confidence level because they are trying to break you down and they want to be uh, bigger than life in your life. They They want to be the person that you look to for, uh, hope and encouragement and attention and everything else. And so if they can break down your confidence, then you want to take more direction from them because you don't trust your own judgment anymore. So, you know, people tell you things about you being unattractive or criticize everything you do or how you look, how you dress, how you eat, how you talk, all of that. It's all about being controlling and breaking down your confidence level. And I know there are a lot of people listening who've had that experience at some point in time, somebody that's forever criticizing everything that you do. That is not somebody that you need to be with. And they wrap it in, you know I'm keeping it a hundred percent. You know I'm real. Yeah. I'm just I'm no I'm your real friend. I'm gonna tell you the mm-hmm. truth. Everybody else lying. Looking to out you. for you, yeah. I'm looking out for you. Uh-uh. Don't you know, like you don't me. Don't no don't friends. love me that damn much that you ain't got nothing good to say about me. <laughs> I know. It's ridiculous. But some of the things that we allow ourselves to put up with, all in the name of friendship or all in the name of love. And it goes back again to what you were saying a little while ago. Some people 
would rather have a friend at any cost because they are so afraid of being alone. And if that's you, then, again, that's saying that you don't think highly of yourself and you're getting uh, bad behavior because that's what you're allowing. So another one is complete control over your plans. These are some of the warning signs. If you are constantly doing things that the other person wants you to do, then it may not be the time to be in a relationship with that individual. You know, sometimes people always want you um, to do it their way because they think they know what's best for you or um, they want you to do what they want to do because that makes more sense. Again, it's just another way that people are controlling you. And then one last one is what they're calling a constant flicker of emotion. A person who wishes to be the controlling person in a relationship would be very lovable to you one day and insult you on the next day. You would always be at the receiving end of the verbal abuse, and this ultimately results in you hoping for a change in your partner. That one reminds me of, like, playing the the slot machine. You know, it's like, I'm going to keep putting these quarters in here because I know sooner or later I'm going to hit. And that's like, Mm. I'm going to keep being nice and loving to this person because I know sooner or later they're going to shower me with some love or a kind word or something. So never mind that every time I keep, dropping those quarters into this individual, I get hit with insult, criticism, they ignore me. Uh, Every once in a while they give me a hug or a smile or say something nice, and that just gets me going, and it keeps me feeding them again until they come back again. It's just like gambling. It's like playing the slot, and you hold on from one uh, good word to the next and take all of the crap that comes in between just waiting for that next good thing. Mm. Not a good sign. So, again, warning signs. And if you're not sure, if you're going through some of these and you really aren't sure as to whether or not it's an abusive relationship, just step back and think about how does this person make you feel? When do you feel good? When do you feel not so good? And what are some of the things that happen right before those feelings leading up to it? If you really want to know, um, the National Domestic Violence Hotline has 24-7 confidential support. You can reach them online at thehotline.org. That's uh, T-H-E-H-O-T-L-I-N-E dot O-R-G. Or you can call them at 800-799-7233. Again, 800-799-7233. So either call or go to the website. Lots of information out there. And you can just kind of check for yourself and see how many of the boxes can I check off because if you've never really been in a good, loving relationship, then you don't know what one feels like. And so you might think that what you're going through is just normal. This is what everybody goes through in a relationship, especially if you grew up in a home where there wasn't a lot of love going back and forth between parents or um, if you have other family members that are always fussing, fighting, people controlling one another. If you really don't have a good role model of what a healthy, happy loving relationship is like, you might be enduring some things that you really don't have to endure. So if you're not sure, call the hotline, go on their website, and just check it out. And what about those folks, Doc, who always seem to attract that type of person? Mm-hmm. You know, that because, person, I mean, it's like every every time they turn around, they're in an abusive, I mean, it's like they, they are drawn to that type of individual you know um you know it's interesting i remember talking to a friend of mine and he was telling me about his brother was recovering from drugs you know was and he said he, he i never forget when he said that he um he went i mean he he always found that environment and one time he moved him 
here, and they lived in another city. They moved him here, and he didn't know anybody here. But in, in, in about a week, he then found that that neighborhood again, those that environment again. You know, um, mm-hmm. he could always mm-hmm. find the drugs. He could always find the the, the stuff. You, you with me? And, yeah. I mean, no matter what city they're in, they can find it. And some people are like that when when it comes to relationships. No yeah. matter what, they can always find that that person who's. And I, you know, I don't want to make it seem like they're looking for them. You know, I'm not I'm not saying that, but it just seems as if that's who they attract. And and how do you 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 deal with that, Doc? Yeah, because you're right. You said the word drawn to. And that is exactly what's happening. If you I'm trying to think of a good way to explain this, whatever's going on inside of you, you have a certain deficit in a certain area, a certain need somewhere. And many times, one of two things happen: either you're either you're trying to fill that need with something that feels good to you. So, for instance, let's say you grew up in a home where there was lots of arguing but you knew that your parents loved you, but even though you knew they loved you, there was constant arguing, they would put you down, they would criticize you, but that was home, and home was where you got your nourishment, home was where you felt safe and secure, but still there was that element of the criticism and being put down and the controlling nature and maybe parents who were overly protective. All of that gets folded into the mix of home, you know, love, warmth, security, all of that. So when you go out looking for love and warmth and security and all of the the good things that go along with home, the negative things are part of that mixture, and so that brings back those feelings too. So when you're with somebody who is controlling or criticizing or yells and puts you down, that reminds you of home and takes you back to the warmth, the love, the security, everything else. So some people do on some level seek that stuff out or at least they um, are drawn to it because it does remind them of home, and home is where all the love was. So that's one way that it can play out. Another way that it can play out is just based on if I am someone who doesn't think highly of myself, I might project that without knowing it. But people who are skillful, like controlling people, in some ways can almost be like predators. They're looking for prey. And they can identify, you know, if let's say they're in a club and there's, you know, women all seated at the bar. Someone with that predatory mindset knows how to look at someone's posture, knows how to look at the expressions on their face, how they're dressed, whether or not they're talking to other people at the bar. I mean, a a person, and it can be a man or a woman, but, you know, I'm I'm using the example of a man, but women do it too. It can be a man who's sitting back, and for 30 minutes he might just be checking out the women who are sitting at the bar because he's trying to, in his mind, know who is the one that is more likely to say yes. You know, who's the one that when I go over and talk to her, she's more likely to laugh at my jokes, believe what I say, you know, let me whisper in her ear, and who's the one that I can probably pick up, take home? Who's the one that I can probably um, use my tactics to to beat her down the way I beat women down, if that's what I'm all about? You know, on the flip side, women will do the same thing. And look, who's the man that's sitting at the bar now that I've been checking out all the guys at the bar? Who's the one that's more likely to, you know, look when I walk by, to be uh, paying attention to my short skirt and low cleavage, Who who's the one that's going to uh, 
buy me the drink? Who's the one that's going to take me home and make me feel good? So we do those kinds of things. And if you're someone who projects that low self-esteem or you project that you're easy or, you know, you project that you're gullible or, you know, you, you're not very seasoned and, and you really don't know your way around the neighborhood and all of those kind of things, if somebody is checking you out, they're going to pick that up. And so you keep attracting that until you develop a different persona and you clear up all those things about yourself so that you're no longer projecting that and people are no longer picking that up. So does that make sense? Yes, it makes a lot of sense. Okay. It makes a lot of sense. And I think that's the same tactic that is used with sex trafficking, and I know that's a whole different topic, but I think you're looking for people with so low self-esteem, and I think that's where some of the domestic some of the violence comes in as, as well. But those are, the, I think, mm-hmm. some of the same characteristics that, are, that people are looking for uh, in, when they're looking to prey on young girls and yeah, that's exactly be, right. And I tell you, I have another male friend. You know, you're not the only male friend that I have. So before you get all I'm, upset, I'm thinking, I'm uh, this show there. is not about your I other got, male friends. This, I got this, another this male really, friend. This show is really about me and you. And every time, you never <laughs> fail to bring okay, up well, another male. Okay, Okay, he's not a male okay. friend. It's just this guy, okay? So this guy told me once that, um, and I may have shared this before, but it's just wisdom. It, it taught me a lot. This guy said, if he meets a woman and the woman is too easy when he first meets her and she's willing to sleep with him or whatever right away, he said, I will definitely take advantage of that. This is in his younger years. I mean, we've all matured since then. But he was saying he would definitely take advantage of that, but he knew then that she was never going to be his wife, his woman, his girlfriend, or anything else just because he could tell she's too easy, she got low self-esteem, no confidence, all of that. So lots of times, that's what I'm saying, you know, a man can look and he knows who's the one that's going to allow me to do this. And the woman sometimes feels like, oh, I got something special. He picked me out of all the other women in here. He wants to be with me. Not saying that that doesn't happen. Yeah, sometimes you do have something special and he wants to be with you. But if you're that special, a man is not going to try to run all over you. A man is not going to try to sleep with you on the first date. If he views you as special, you are something that's rare, something he cherishes, something he's going to take his time with because he doesn't want to blow it. If he's just in there real quick, this is what I want, let's go do this, whatever, it's not that he's viewing you as special. He's viewing you as easy, and he's going to hit what he wants to hit, and then he's done. And when we as women learn to realize that and embrace it, we will be less likely to just say yes and give ourselves to people because that's why women sit at home. This is another show, too, but that's why they sit at home and wonder, why is it that I meet all these people but nobody ever takes me seriously, nobody ever wants to marry me, nobody. It's because of the way you So, again, you may attract lots of folks, but that's why you keep attracting the same kind of person over and over again. It's because the way you speak, the way you dress, the way you act, the things you say, all of that stuff. So even though some guy told me that, would you, as another man, would you agree with that, that that has a lot to do with the way uh, men approach women and the way that some women are still waiting for Mr. Wright to come along? Well, you remember Charlie Brown, uh, wonk, 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 the, the teacher, wonk, yeah, wonk, wonk. Yeah, 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 When you said, when you said a guy told you everything oh, else Lord. after that was wonk, 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 wonk. <laughs> I didn't hear anything else. It ruined the no, no, all just aside, I totally agree. I, a co-host I, on a radio show and ignore what I say. 
<laughs> no, I totally agree with you. I think I think you know men do. We we you know if we if we're serious about you, we're not pushing you because we're looking at the long haul. You know if you if you if you a are a a one night stand or you know mm-hmm. or at least a one week stand. You know some people you know it might not be a one night but it might be a one week. You know w- you know w- w- sex is gonna come up real quick in the conversation. Oh and I yeah. Think, you know. And I think we we you know we um, that's all a part of it. So you're you're absolutely right. And he was right in that advice, I believe. I think most men yeah. I, would, I would never paint all of us with the same brush, you know. But I do think that that is the case with a lot of us, you know. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Cool. Well, we have a caller on, so let's uh, let's talk to our caller and see what advice he has for us or what comments or questions. Go ahead. Who am I speaking with? This is Tim. Hey Tim, how are you? I'm fine. How are you both? I'm doing, doing great. well. Hank's all right. Awesome. He's all right, but I'm doing real good. <laughs> <laughs> What's your question or comment for? Well, actually, I wanted to make a comment. Both of you talked about the environment, and that was a piece that I wanted to make a comment on because I think it's uh, so significant in this conversation. Um, some years ago, I saw a program uh, that a gentleman was hosting, and he had a couple on there. And they were on there uh, discussing this very topic. And the issue was that the uh, gentleman had been abusive to his wife. And so he attempted to uh, explain himself. And what he said was that he knew that his behavior was, was not right towards his wife, and that's why he agreed to come on the show. He said, but I want you to understand that I grew up in a home where I saw my father treat my mother that way. He said, I saw my uncles treat their wives that way, and mm-hmm. I saw the men in my neighborhood treat women that way. And he said he was from a small town. And uh, and the host just cut him off, jumped right in and cut him off and said, man, I don't want to hear that. He said, you ought to know that the way you treat your wife is not right. And it was very interesting because after that, the man folded his arms and kind of sat back in his chair, and he basically shut down the rest of the show. But, you know, when I hear that and I think about a young boy in an environment like that, and the messages that that sends to him, you know, what else would you think might shape his views about relationships with women and how men should treat women? And so I think that when we think about children and the environments that they grow up in and the things that are around them and the messages that they get, you know, it really does begin to contribute to their thinking uh, and attitude about uh, women and dating and relationships and all of that. So that that was just one piece that I, I thought about as I was listening to you all talk about uh, the environment. And then the, uh, so I'd, I'd like to see if you all had any thoughts additionally on that. And then the second thing I'll uh, mention is a question of when are the two of you going to either do a book, a novel, uh, some DVDs or something uh, to help folks. Let me tell you, it's hard enough to talk to her once a month. It's hard <laughs> enough to that this <laughs> To, to do a book would require even more conversation. Look, and, and I was going to say, I, I need to be drinking when I'm talking to him. I, we, I can't talk to we, him Most of the time so we're inebriated when we're on these shows and we have so, to talk to each other. You know, I'm probably going to be in rehab shortly, but when I get out, I'll consider. We will consider it. Most of most time we talk to each other, we have to be inebriated. (laughs) (laughs) All right, then. Well, anyway, thank you you for your call. Thank you. But yeah, I do agree with everything that you said. The environment does have a lot to do with it, you know. And 
I mean, it's not just a matter of what you see other people do, but research does show that, you know, abusers are drawn to people who already feel powerless in other areas of their life. Mm -hmm. So even though you might feel confident as a man or a woman, if you don't feel that way about your job, your skills, that can have something to do with it. Um, When you question your own self-worth. And then other things like situational things become factors, you know, um, if you're not eating properly, if you're depriving yourself of sleep or medicine or, you know, any of those things can help contribute to the way you project and the way that people perceive you. So we're almost out of time. What I want to do is just share a couple of reasons why people stay, because that's one of the main questions that people ask when they find out somebody was in an abusive relationship. The first thing that pops up is, well, why didn't she just leave? You know, why didn't they just get out of there? So let's talk about that a little bit. And, again, something might strike a nerve. You might hear something that sounds like you, and the light bulb might go off. So some of the reasons why people stay. A woman may fear her partner's actions if she leaves. Sometimes people are afraid that they'll hunt them down, hurt them, hurt someone else that they care about, or or show up at the job and embarrass them at work, those kinds of things. Another one is the effects of the abuse. Um, I'm so, Yeah, the effects of abuse may make it difficult to leave. I'm sorry. So they may feel like, you know, I don't deserve anything better. I can't make decisions anymore. I need somebody to help me. Um, I can't afford to live on my own, those kind of things. A third one is a woman may have concerns about her children. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. You know, what might he do to the kids if I leave? Or... Will he try to take my children from me? Will he turn my children against me? Those kinds of things. Partners' attempts to isolate a woman may make it difficult for her to leave or get help. Many times people who are very controlling in relationships, they get you isolated. They might move you far away from other people. They limit the amount of contact you can have with friends. I don't want anybody in my house, so you can't have your friends come over. Or they want you to come straight in from work, so you can't go hang out with people. And the more they isolate you, then the harder it is for you to leave and to get some help. And then a couple more. A woman's personal history may have shaped her attitude toward abuse and relationships, and that's similar to the stuff that Tim was just saying. If this is all you've seen and all you've ever known, then you don't even realize it's abuse. A woman may be deeply attached to her partner and hope for change. Lots of times people believe in the marriage vows or for religious reasons or um You know, the person promised to go to therapy, and we just need to get some time to go to therapy. So I'm a strong proponent of marriage vows. I really am. I'm a strong proponent of the religious thing, but I also know that there are certain conditions that God presents that allow you to leave a marriage. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to leave, but unless you've heard from God that you need to stay, if someone is abusing you, Trust me, you've got God's permission to leave that marriage. And if you contact me later, if you need to know where I get that from, I will find those biblical references for you. Uh, Some women are taught that it's their job to maintain the relationship and support their partner. So they may feel guilty about leaving or feel feel that somehow they have failed and they don't want to be a failure. Women may be economically dependent on their partners. Um, or they feel like the partner's economically dependent on them. You know, maybe she's the primary breadwinner, and if I leave him, how will he survive? And then our culture sends the message that a woman's value depends on her being in a relationship. Lots of women don't feel whole and complete and of value 
unless they've got a man in their life. And so many times, I mean, turn on any of these TV talk shows, Maury and Jerry Springer and a lot of them. Look at the stuff that women allow themselves and men too to go through because somehow we picked up the the message that if you're not in a relationship, then you don't have self-worth. So those are some of the reasons why people stay. Again, if any of this sounds familiar or sounds like someone you know, I would encourage you to either go to uh, the National Domestic Violence Hotline at www.thehotline.org or give them a call, 24-7 confidential support. The number is 800 799 7233. So with that, given that we are really out of time, I'm going to uh, ask if we'll just go out with with a song, something to kind of leave on your mind, but it is always a pleasure. I mean, as much as Hank and I, you know, play and joke and tease one another, uh, truly there's a lot of love between the two of us, and I love doing this show with, with my friend Hank. So before I close this out, any last words you want to share, Hank? Well, I think the the thing that is we have to really uh, be thankful for is that you brought this topic up. I mean, it's, we tried to you know um, make it a little less um, heavy, but it's a very serious topic. And thank you for always being on on point with all of the uh, the topics and um, things that are relevant to our our community. And you know, at the end of the day, I think people who listen to this show are better when they you know, when the when we go off on the when we go yeah. off the air. And that's the whole I think that's the most important thing is that, you know, when you we sign on at eight o'clock or whatever time it is, seven central or wherever, um, when we sign on and when we sign off you're you're a little bit more educated. And if we can if we can accomplish that, then we've we've done what we set out to do. So thank you, Doc, for always being able to bring that insight and um and that knowledge and and, and helping us to grow. Well, thank you. That's my pleasure. And you know it's my desire to strengthen families by prescribing remedies for uh, the relationship challenges. And so I truly believe that we can change the world, even if we just do it one relationship at a time. So to all of you who join us um, every first Wednesday of the month, please continue to do so. Tell your family and friends to check us out. And thank you for letting us speak into your life. Peace.
looking at it makes no sense at all And might be missing the whole principle When I see my back's up against the wall I'ma color it completely, just like the pretty And that's why they see me, heads high, yes I Just try to get by the rest I, I ain't wanna really do the pettiness He said he this, and who's heavy this? Since the game shifted from digital, kid is pivotal To get a few residuals before you turn invisible If you're talking nonsense, not today I'm part of the game, but not the play <laughs> Take a look and you can spot the ray that shines brighter than the planet that's three rocks away. Hey. Hey. 